You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. You're listening to 1130 AM, Oleander Community Radio. Here's a community bulletin for what's going on this week. Thank you for listening. Social distancing Halloween. Stand outside your house. People will throw candy at you. Thank you. Welcome to Radio Free Oleander, a weekly show showcasing the best of 1130 AM, KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. Thank you for listening. Your hosts are D.B. Spitzer and David Heath. Here we go. Okay. Hey, everyone. It is me, D.B., and this guy over here. And it is I, Farmer Dave. Yeah. Hey, we're here to talk to you again about Radio Free Oleander, the community radio project that Dave and I host that highlights the best of and whatever else is left of Oleander, Oregon on 11.30 a.m. KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. So, Dave, what are we talking about today? I know it's uh, the Halloween season. It's the spooky time of year. So we're going to talk a little bit about one of four Class D ghost towns in Clackamas County. Cool. So the official de- the official definition of a Class D ghost town is that an area is sparsely populated and may boast period structures of varied physical conditions and or a cemetery, but no operative town proper. Okay. So that is the definition of a Class D. Um, and there are four. Uh, Roanoke is the one that's not too far from here in Oleander. Okay. But in case you're visiting ghost towns in Clackamas County, sure. the other three are Cherryville, uh-huh. Bull Run, and New Era. Oh. Huh. I have not been to the, any of the three. I've been, okay. I have been to um, uh, Roanoke, but I have not been to the other three. Okay. Oh, interesting. So. And it's about six miles south, mm-hmm. and it, it, it too, just like uh, Oleander, is on, on the banks of the Clackamas River. Mm-hmm. And just like Oleander, it was founded by a Civil War veteran, just like uh, a lot of a lot of Civil War veterans had no choice but to go north. Okay. Uh, jobs had disappeared. Some had gone back and got educated. So, or not north, a west. Okay. So we're going to have a lot of the southerners are going to become, are going to go into Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So the bulk of, ironically, of the traditional, we think, cowboys, mm-hmm. the bulk of those are going to be either ex-slaves, descendants of slaves, mm-hmm. or ex-Confederates. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the South, the, the job, a lot of the Northerners are going to go all the way across um, to um, to the, the West Coast. Uh, Ambrose Bierce and Mark Twain do that when they go to San Francisco. Uh, a lot of them are going to move into uh, California, California, uh, you know, post you know post gold rush, but a lot of them are going to move into California, Washington, and Oregon. Hmm. So just like Oleander, uh, Josiah Oleander uh, came and settled Oleander. You know, he was a, he was a bushwhacker with Quantrell's Raiders, 
the founder of Roanoke, which his name was Bo Beaumont Goody. Uh, and Beaumont Goody fought as a Union Army officer. Mm-hmm. He worked his way up to the ranks, and he founded Roanoke in 1892. Hmm. Um, and he, we don't. Part of the problem is. That the only the official biography on Beaumont Goody mm-hmm. was written by his rival Josiah Oleander. Okay. <clears throat> and the title is Beaumont Goody, a terrible, rotten, sniveling man. So we, we can't really trust the author in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we don't know a lot about Beaumont Goody, uh, but like many other people, who fought in the Civil War, his life changed. And he went back, he was from Pennsylvania, or, or excuse me, uh, Rhode Island. And he went back and he went to school in Brown University and he uh, studied finances and he became a banker. And he moved up and became a rather successful, he became a bank manager. And you know, in the 1880s, late 1880s, that was a pretty successful position. If you were a bank manager, or a, you know, of a, a city bank, you were you were up there with mayor, you know, the, the chief of police. But he was in love with a woman, and the woman he loved with her name was Helena Phillips. Um, now. Helena Phillips um, is distantly related to uh, Whipple Phillips. Okay. Who is the grandfather grandfather. of H.P. Lovecraft, yeah. Exactly. So she's like, I can't remember, like, she's like third cousin or or a, you know, a great niece or something. Mm -hmm. So... um, Helena Phillips, spoiler, is going to, well, not, not legally marry, but she is going to take the role, we'll explain why, of Oleander's wife. She's going to take her name, but they're not, not legally married. Mm-hmm. So, the Oleanders, Felony and Gertrude, mm-hmm. they're all distantly related to H.P. Lovecraft. Hmm. So, um, so, Helena has basically said, you know, she's very materialistic. Mm-hmm. And, and most women would be very happy at that time in, of having a, a solid income coming up. But she insists that, no, that, that Goody has to do more. He has to be more than, than just this manager of a bank. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is he takes all of his money and he invests it. And so he comes out north, uh, just just like you know, boring is found by, you know, a descent. A boring was a major in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So he's going to come up here and follow. He probably knew boring. They may have communicated. Boring may have made the suggestion to come here and, and to try to be a land baron, to try to be a timber baron. But the problem was. He and Josiah just did not like each other one bit. And so Josiah uh, Oleander, who is the 
founder, in case people haven't been following, is the founder of the city. Mm -hmm. um, he decides that he's going to do everything he can to ruin poor Goody Beaumont. And when Josiah comes up to the, he, he gets the advantage is that he gets to Portland before Beaumont. Mm -hmm. and, and Olander makes this deal that I will take care of burying people. I will take care of the graveyard so you don't have to bury people in Portland. And that's where Oleander comes. Part of his concession was that he was going to get the right to, to railroad. Mm -hmm. But he, he also worked it out that he, he could decline people. He could basically cancel or veto railroads first. Okay. So, so he does his darndest to make sure that Roanoke never gets a railroad spur huh. and basically cuts off um, uh, Roanoke. For, so you can't really become a timber baron uh -huh. if you can't put your lumber on the railroad. Okay. It's just too expensive to put it on, on wagons at the time. So Goody, he's stuck. He can't work around whatever deal that uh, Josiah Oleander worked with the railroads. It's just airtight. It, 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 it's ironclad. He can't get around it. So he, he desperately, he starts mining. And they hit silver. And they tap what, at the time, they didn't know it was a small thing. And so the town starts growing. And so, you know, he, he it becomes a town. He is able to form a town. He has become the mayor. But it, what they were hoping was this huge silver vein, it gets tapped out. But he's got a little bit of money. So he goes back to Rhode Island. And he basically lies fit up. Helena, and he says, that's it. I'm a big lumber baron. Uh, I'm a you know, silver mine. And basically spent his last dime to make him look rich. She believes him. They get married in Rhode Island. And his thought is, well, once she gets into Oregon, she'll realize we're not rich, but she will love me like I love her. Not the way the story happens. So she gets there, and um, and Roanoke is is going from a decent town uh -huh. to it, it's just disappearing. It's falling apart. There's not enough money. There's not enough taxes, and she is furious. You know, took him away. He took her away from the East Coast. Took her away from her family, and she just does everything she can to make. For you know, uh, uh, Goody Beaumont's life miserable. Now, like I said, Josiah, he, he's he, he's basically adding salt to the wound to to poor Beaumont, mm -hmm. and so he swoops in, and, and I hate to use terms like that, but he basically stole Helena from him, and so 
he takes her and she they move to 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 Oleander. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures. I don't know if you've ever been in the Oleander Mansion, but you can you can see that you know she's got the the red hair and the blue yeah. eyes that we that we associate with the the Oleander family. Sure. Well, well, at this time, poor Goody, he is broke. He is depressed. He is bro- broken. So he is decides he is going to go up. He's going to take takes the Civil War pistol. He is going to go get his woman back. But word comes to Josiah that that Beaumont is coming, and, and remember, Josiah is a bushwhacker. He's trained at ambushing, and so he doesn't give poor Beaumont a chance. He ambushes him, shoots him on the way, and goes back to lives happily with his uh, with Beaumont's wife. With the death of Beaumont. That's when Roanoke just basically falls apart. A few squatters live there, but it, it's basically, it dropped down to, I think, uh, in 1900, there was like 58 people. Hmm. Now, kind of an interesting thing is the site where Beaumont is, uh, not yeah. Beaumont, I'm sorry, it's, uh, Roanoke, mm-hmm. where the site where Roanoke is, yeah. the army made it a prison camp during World War II. And there weren't a lot, but they captured basically Romanians that worked with the Germans Yeah, that surrendered. They brought the Romanian prisoners, and they were kept in Roanoke. And that is probably where we get these rumors about vampires in Roanoke. Oh. Huh. Well, okay, so what people in town may not know is there's a distinction. There's a couple of Daves in town. There's Pharmacist Dave. There's Farmer Dave, which Pharmacist Dave and Farmer Dave, people are like, no, 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 Pharmacist Dave. He has a beard and he has glasses. And I'm like, so does Farmer Dave. And they're okay, the one, the do, one, the one in the lab coat. One. Yeah. What's that? I tell them I'm the good-looking one. <laughs> but it's like, well, they kind of... Okay, yeah. The, the one in the lab coat. Pharmacist Dave. Okay. And then and then over at the library, there's Weird Dave. And Weird Dave told me that there's goblins in Roanoke. And that's what... The, the, that's who stole those sashes and the uh, the hats. The, the hot rodders. What do you think about that? So, I have heard stories that there are hot rodders or you know uh, I've heard that there are um, beatniks uh, and goblins and I have heard that they are shriners Um, but so I think you know Occam's razor being everything it probably I mean there's there's still some buildings there's still some military buildings there I'm sure some, some kids in cars hang out there okay uh, are they goblins? Well, maybe they wear masks or something to scare people off at night. I I didn't think about the mask part. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, there's Occam's razor, and there is also, I guess, the Scooby-Doo effect. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, hey, if if if, if I was a, a kid and I was hanging out right road, you know, driving a, a fast car down a road, 
Yeah, I'd wear some sort of Halloween mask and make faces at the cars that go by. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Maybe they're, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe they're just wearing masks. All right, um, so you recently interviewed interviewed a witch. Yes, yes, and I, well, I won't spoil it, but um, Susie, she's also a, she is also a, um, an author, mm-hmm. uh, and I, uh, who uh, writes, uh, she has uh, basically a, a vampire war series, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I just got one of her books that I'm really excited about reading, uh, The Cat with Cthulhu Eyes, Ooh. and so she explains to me, a little bit corrects some misunderstandings I have about I'm how I thought that witches were catch-all sort of belief system pagan, but no, she explains to me the the details and, and uh, just a really good interview. I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. Cool. Yeah. No. Me too. Me too. So uh, we'll take a listen to that, and then after that we'll have station identification, and then we're gonna do some people of oleander so hold on and wait for that we're recording there yep i see that we are recording okay well then i will uh, take the lead okay hey everybody this is dave and once again you are listening to radio free oleander and i am really excited about the guest that we have here tonight and this is susie martin yeah. i'm sorry madden right yeah, imagine. <laughs> Madeline, excuse me. And Susie is both an author and a witch. And she's uh, talking to us from the East Coast. So I want to give you a, a nice Oregon welcome, as, as much as Oregon welcomes anybody. Your state and, is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. We, we, we think so. We try to keep it that way. So um, well, I just would like to hear a little bit about some of, the, uh, some of your writing. Okay, I write under the name Suzanne Madrin, and I am on Amazon. I've written under a few pseudonyms, so I've written under James Glass, I've written under Zircon, I've written under Susie M, and I've been in the writing game for, oh gosh, well over 20 years now. And, um, you know, some of my stuff has been recommended for award ballots and things like that, so I write mostly speculative fiction and horror and my Immortal War series is Vampires. My Metatron mysteries are kind of a, an occult um, noir comedy. And then, of course, there's the Lovecraftian stuff like Cat with Cthulhu Eyes, For Sale or Rent, The Watershed. Um, and then there's Apocrypha. The Apocrypha. And the Immortal Wars, I thought, oh, the Immortal Wars, that's up to five books now? Yes. I thought I saw that. And I have to admit, you know, to be completely honest here, I have not read any of your books yet, but I am so excited because I went into this morning, I got a cat with Cthulhu eyes because it has three of my favorite things. Cats, Cthulhu, and eyes. I mean, you can't beat that. It's it's an awesome one. And um, if, you're, if you're into Lovecraft, um, or at least the Lovecraft style, um, For Sale or Rent and The Watershed are both Lovecraftian, like very heavily Lovecraftian with that, you know, cosmic horror sort of dread. Okay, I will definitely, I will check those ones out next. I, I saw For Sale on Rent, uh, or For Sale or Rent, and uh, to be honest, 
if you didn't have cats in the other one, I probably would have gotten that one. <laughs> the uh, the story behind the cover of that one, I used to hang out at this little coffee shop in town, and that is a shelf in the coffee shop. It's just cat decorations everywhere. And it was just the strangest looking cat statue. It looked like a perfume bottle or something. And I was like, man, that would be really cool and creepy if it had no eyes. <laughs> and so I photoshopped the heck out of the picture and created the cover. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm excited about reading it. And people who are also interested in your books, they can just type in your name on Amazon, right? Correct. Yep. Suzanne Madrin. Excellent. Excellent. M-A-D-R-O-N. So, okay, excellent. So, uh, a little bit, and this is where I'm going to say that I am not as smart as I think I am. I don't know as much as I think I did. And part of this interview, and I'm excited because I'm really going to learn some things today. Part of this came from, you know, I we're requesting, uh, which is to talk about um, their themselves and their beliefs. And, and I put on, the, basically I was looking for, and I thought I was being correct saying this. I said, we'd like to have a witch talk about Wicca. Because I was thinking, which was the practitioner and Wicca was sort of the overarching name for the belief system. And Susie very politely and very patiently explained to me I was wrong. And, and I, I want to I know more about that. So I'm, I'm obviously behind the curve of where I thought I was. So, um, yeah, can you maybe fill us in? And, and, and it's completely okay to use the words, David was wrong here. Everybody else does. You, you were not wrong. You were just not informed. Um, so okay. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Um, in, in my, in my day job, I am a teacher. So <laughs> there's, you know, okay. as long as there's a curiosity, you are not on the wrong path. As long as you are open to new, new knowledge and into assimilating that new knowledge, you're fine. So yes, um, Wicca is a version of paganism so it's it's sort of you know it's not dissimilar there's a lot of places where it intersects just straight up paganism i i am non non-denominational pagan i guess um i i kind of wander between different types of magical working from chaos magic to you know hedge witchery kitchen witchery um and sort of a metaphysical uh, energy working. So it's it suited me very well to kind of play it by ear. I was raised Roman Catholic um, with, with Irish Catholic as well. So there's a lot of paganism in those two areas already because a lot of that was assimilated into Catholicism in order to get the pagans to join. And so a lot of that is still throwbacks. Go ahead. So, so one of my one of my favorite classes that I had when I was in UCLA was Druids in Fact and Fiction, mm -hmm. and we talked a lot about about Ireland. Uh, and my my teacher was was you know studied on a Fulbright scholarship in Ireland. And she talked about a lot about how the the Irish belief system sort of ended up in in Irish Christianity, and it's just mm -hmm. fascinating. Oh, big time. Um, and my family, I'm, I'm a relatively new 
generation to America. So my my father's from Italy, and his his entire family's mm. from Italy. And then my on my mother's side, I am first I'm third generation Irish Italian on my mom's side. So there was still a lot of that tradition brought over from the old countries. So we had, you know, the tricksters in Italy and then we had the fey folk in Ireland and, you know, you, you put offerings out to them so that they don't, they don't mess with you. (laughs) And that kind of, you know, got me a little bit more curious about things and it, it became sort of a, a relationship with the energies of of the spaces that I've lived in between the elementals and the energies and everything else to kind of acknowledge that there is this life that we can't necessarily see, but we can sense and to work with that. So would that be a, maybe a good different definition of a witch? Absolutely. Um, you know, we're all basically doing energy workings with nature in some form or another. And, you know, whether we believe in, you know, some sort of supreme energy force or we believe in the god and the goddess or, you know, what have you, there's different versions of it. There's different flavors. Um, You know, I personally believe that there is a an omniscient, omnipresent energy that that is there, that it, it takes the form of literally everything, you know, so it's like not only are we. You know, God God is in the details because God is in everything. And God is not a man or a woman or anything. It's everything. And, um, everything. yeah. And, you know, my, my personal belief is that it is some, it's a, it's a creature of just pure energy that is existing across all times and spaces and experiencing everything all at once and linearly. Um, so it's kind of where I get into the metaphysical side of things. Um, you know, so chaos magic was a really good fit for me in that respect because chaos magic okay. deals with the probability of being able to influence energy workings. So it's sort of a clunk. Okay. And, and I, I have to, I know a little bit about chaos magic, probably, but um, it sounds too that, that now Wicca though, is that a specific denomination? Or am I, is that a, not, a, not the right uh, terms for me to use? It's, it is a specific, I guess, like, denomination would be a, an accurate description. Um, it, it's sort of, it's sort of like there's Christianity and then there's all the different flavors of Christianity. Um, Wicca is a flavor of paganism. Okay. So, okay. And, and so I, I think one of my mistakes is, so I, I mean, obviously, you know, I could, classical paganism and 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 you know i have quite a few friends that are native american you know i wouldn't refer to them what they believe is uh paganism but they're definitely pantheists and they're they believe in in nature Mm -hmm. so um would you consider native american shamans as similar to the same as which possibly even using the same term um, I wouldn't use the same term because they're going much deeper than like, you know, we do commune okay. in the same ways, but with different purposes, maybe, um, and in different techniques. So I, I think we're, we're kind of on the same team, but we might be playing the okay. game differently. 
Uh, I, I was going to say same family. Yes. I was say cousins, but, but, but you know, <laughs> it is. It's a lot like cousins. Teams might be a better one. I was going to say, you, know, you guys kind of like cousins. Okay. And, and, and you know, I'd never, and, and shamanism is actually something, at least intellectually, I've studied, but, you know, I, I never realized this. You know, I never thought of, of a shaman as a witch, but you know, I think I got a better understanding both of them as I think of them as, as, as kind of like cousins. Yeah, and um, and, you know, in in my family we had, you know, in the mountains of Italy, it was very rural Italy outside of Rome. We, you know, we had we had tie tie-ins with the Vatican, and we also had tie-ins with paganism. And my great aunt was Rosa Negra, and she was the wise woman of the village so people would come to her for healing and spiritual advice and and things like that and potions and good luck charms and you know herbalism so like when i lived in california a lot of my hispanic friends they would have family members in mexico that were brujas mm -hmm. very the, similar the same thing correct yes very, very similar. similar okay and and and, and that would make sense because italy and spain is pretty pretty close there in mm -hmm. a lot of ways yep um southern italy was very influenced by spain and northern italy was france germany and all those guys so there was a lot of influences coming in all over the place into italy and rome especially because rome you know back in the roman empire it was interacting with basically the known world and then some all, so a all, lot all roads of lead to Rome. exactly, and so not only did Rome influence the places that it went to, but it also got influenced by the places that it, it assimilated. So, you know, it wasn't just oh hey we're going to make you Roman. It's you know you're also going to become part of the culture. So sort of like a Borg. <laughs> yeah. And, and 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 that that kind of makes sense because if you were willing to accept the the emperor. Rome was, I mean, we think of the Roman Empire as as rather open-minded in a lot of ways. In in a lot of ways, yes. In you know, in a lot of ways, it was also yeah. pretty barbaric. Um, you know, was it perfect? Obviously not. But again, we've come a long way. I'd like to think in two thousand years. So, you know, fingers crossed that as a species, we've come a long way. <laughs> so, so I think I definitely, I'm learning quite a bit here. Um, let me ask you though, for the, for, for myself and for people listening here, is there any sort of misconception you'd like to clear up? I do not eat babies. <laughs> um, okay. I I don't worship Satan. Um, you know, I I personally do not dabble in the dark arts or anything like that. Um, I I have so there, there's a really big misconception that it has to be love and light all the time if you're going to be like this neo pagan, and you know that is that is doing yourself a disservice as a human being because it, if you can't be your whole self then what's the point? And so part of my personal belief system is in order to be whole, I have to also integrate my shadow self. I have to acknowledge that, you know, I'm not a perfect person and I'm not probably ever going to be a perfect person, but I'm on my way to it and I'm working towards it. I'm a work in progress. Yeah. 
And if you had told me that 20 years ago, I may have avoided a whole lot of mistakes. <laughs> and 20 years ago, not, not, not if that... I'd told myself that, I would have I would have probably lived a much better life. But, um, you know, with, with age comes wisdom, not, I not suppose. Not that I would have listened to you. Not, <laughs> not that I would have listened to you, because I, I didn't listen to my mom when she said about the same thing. But if, <laughs> if I had learned that 20 years ago, I probably had a whole lot of mistakes that I wouldn't have made. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, with, with age comes wisdom. So, yeah, I, and that, that was a hard part for me was to, to accept that I'm a work in progress and to acknowledge that I'm not perfect because, you know, our, our knee jerk reaction is to say, absolutely not. I'm a perfect person. Of course I'm perfect. Why wouldn't I be perfect? And everybody else is wrong, but you know, sometimes everybody else is not wrong and you have to really kind of go okay if more than one person is saying this about me i need to take stock and i need to look and see you know what what is causing me to be this part of myself and then you know decide whether or not to to work on that part too so it's it's not just oh hey i'm going to be all love and light and you know hippie magic it's going it's going to be work and I think that is a huge misconception is that, you know, I just snapped my fingers one day and woke up to be Susie Sunshine. And that's not the case at all. You know, I'm, I'm not Susie Sunshine. <laughs> so uh, would you say, and, and again, this is a curious question, that is, is, it sounds like growth is part of your belief system. Absolutely. I think as a species, you know, our greatest goal regardless of what religion we belong to our greatest goal should be evolution you know to get to that next level yeah no and and i think i think and that's another thing i wish i had learned yeah i I wish i had learned that 30 years ago (laughs) or at least i i knew it intellectually back then i wish i knew it in my heart if if that makes sense absolutely makes sense the the head and the heart and that's part of the integration too because our shadow self you know we've got two pieces of it we've got the emotional shadow self and then we've got the intellectual shadow self and the intellectual shadow self is the it's the self that says it, it it makes excuses it says of course you can do that here's why and then the emotional shadow self is the one that says but i feel this way and i'm going to be selfish anyway and you know it it's the it's the little devil on the shoulder versus the angel on the shoulder and part exactly of, and part of my path is to is to listen to both and then say okay this is what i'm actually going to do <laughs> like i have taken in all of the sides and now i'm going to choose which side is is the best one for me and why it's no, to live it, mindfully it, it, exactly and, and if and not only that if i had only understood that 20 years ago i probably would have saved myself a lot of therapy and i, I would say probably about 20 years ago my a, a phrase i heard a phrase that absolutely fit exactly what i was feeling in my heart and it was i'm spiritual not religious and it was perfect. And I was like, absolutely. That is me. <laughs> and, and, and another thing, the people that I've known that have been pagans or, 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 or Wiccas, um, they they seem to be a very individual. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of it was, and and I, I, again, I'm, I'm sort of searching for the words there. Yes, they would often come together. I had a, a good friend that was 
was married to a like a high priest but a lot of it was it's this is my road i will share it with you but my road is not necessarily your road is that sort of the, the right concept that are or what i gathered from that or definitely and i think one of the the things so you've got a lot of individual practitioners and then you've got covens and you know covens come together and focus their intent so it's a lot of people working on a single idea versus the individual who is just working on their own thing and and putting their energy into it and sometimes you know you can have two or three people together but it's not really a coven it's just a group of people that all have the same idea that they want to see come to fruition and so they use that energy to focus it so it's like you know two heads better than one kind of thing and um you know but for me personally i've always found it kind of distracting to be in that space a lot of the time because it's so chaotic it's it's all this energy going on and you know it's it's like okay we have this basic idea of what we want to accomplish but everybody's got a variation of that idea. And I feel, for me personally, I feel splintered when when I try to, to do that kind of working. So I just have done and, mostly and, myself. And, and, and to give it sort of, again, sort of a, a, an analogy, sort of a family thing. You know, when I was a kid, you know, my parents and I, we'd have a goal. We were going to clean up the yard. Well, what I thought cleaning up the yard exactly. is not necessarily what my mom thought, you know. And sometimes it worked better if we just kind of did our own thing and then came together. Exactly. And, you know, I found the same, the same thing in organized religion, too, where, you know, I, I grew up Catholic. I, I was a confirmed Catholic. And I loved the dogma, but the people were horrible. Um, so I was like, okay, you've got this really good idea and now we've, we've filtered it down through people and all of a sudden we've got all these interpretations of what everything means. And it's like, you know what, I'm just going to do me. And I left. So, and, 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 and you know, and the, the word Catholic itself, it means universal. It's, it's sort of assuming it's a one size fits all. Yeah. And you know, each person is doing their own thing. Um, you know, there's loopholes and stuff like that. And, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm done with, with seeing these people being awful to each other during the week. And I mean, you know, it could have just been that one church, but it was, you know, these people are being awful to each other during the week. And then all of a sudden on the weekends, they're going to confession and getting absolved, you know, with a few Hail Marys. And I was like, that seems kind of light. <laughs> so I, I just kind of went off in my own path, you know, and I read the Bible for myself and I interpreted it for myself. And I was like, okay, it's got some good ideas, but, you know, in, in my heart of hearts, you know, in my soul, this is, this is not all there is. There's more to this. And so I started studying a bunch of other religions and, and kind of came, you know, came up with this amalgam of all these, these ideas and they were all intersecting. So that was the funniest part was, you know, as much as all the religions kick against each other, they are so similar and so overlapping that, you know, it's semantics almost. <laughs> so I was like, wow, we're fighting over semantics. You know, I, I find that too. That's yeah. It, it's kind of like a math problem. You got to strip out the, the words 
Mm-hmm. But to me, a lot of the numbers, the numbers are the same. Yeah. We just, we don't recognize that this other dogma, this other faith, that they have maybe slightly different. But the truth is, I think that human beings are a lot closer to each other than we realize. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, in, in my own personal belief that God is this energy current that's in everything, um, living all the existences and all the experiences, you know, that's the good with the bad. And, you know, how do you get a full picture if you don't incorporate the good with the bad? So as much as, you know, things may suck sometimes, it's it's a it's an energy an energy creature, a conscious energy energy creature experiencing everything and getting the full experience in the process. And then at some point, you know, either when we're still alive or when we finally, you know, shuffle off this mortal coil, we we recombine with that energy current because we're all just, you know, cells in an organism. So, so I, I have, and I'm sure you'll have to go soon, but I have one other question. Sure. Do you think that most people, and I'm assuming most American, not to say anything bad, most if they understood how close you believe in a higher power and like them, how close some of the belief systems are, do you think they'd be surprised? I think some people would. Um, I, I remember growing up in Sunday school, you know, the, the teacher was like, oh, and all these other people are going either to hell or limbo because they're not Catholic. And I raised my hand, you know, second grader, raised my hand. I have a question. And she was like, you know, what's up? And I was like, well, what about Jesus? And she's like, what about him? I was like, he was Jewish. She goes, no, he wasn't. He was Catholic. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, he was Jewish. And she's like, no, no, he was Catholic. And I'm like, well, then why did the Romans put that sign on the cross? And, you know, there was like this whole cognitive dissonance thing going on where, you know, I have encountered more than a few Christians that are like, you know, you, you tell them, you point out like, hey, Jesus was Jewish. And they just kind of blink. And, you know, you can see the gears turning. <laughs> and I'm like, you, yep. you do remember that, right? <laughs> so I, I'm and, like, and, they're and, so similar. As, as, much as, I, as much as I hate to say that, we get more than our share here in, in Northern Oregon on people like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a very rural area right now, and it's it's heavily Christian. Um, there are more than a few witches in the area, and you can kind of tell who we are because of our yard ornaments. Mm. So it's interesting. Um, so as I'm walking around the neighborhood, I'll see, you know, a little pentacle hanging up on a door, and I'm like, ah, there we are. Or I can tell from, like, bunches of, you know, herbs hanging over the doorway or something. So, okay. yeah, it's pretty cool. There's there's subtle ways to – and, you know, around here, th- this is another really interesting thing. And it, it may be something that you may never have even heard of. It's a powwow, which is – it's like a Christian witchcraft from, <laughs> from what I can gather. And it's very local – localized to PA Dutch – communities um Mm. and basically what they would do is kind of do like a laying on of hands healing but they would use it it was almost like a santero in 
in Spanish cultures where、mm-hmm. they've got like a Santeria thing going on where they're praying to Jesus. They're using Jesus' name and God's name to pray evil out and to influence things. But they were also doing like some root work, and you know, it was like this whole mishmash of stuff. And there was this whole community at one point, and then it just kind of faded and disappeared and went underground. But it was a, a very Christian community. But, but had pre Christian subtext or pre Christian history.、Um, actually, no, it was, it was relatively、oh, okay. modern. Um, so,、mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised to find out about it because I was just like, really? And, you know, in, in this area, I'm like out in South Central PA,、um, you know, we see a lot of the, the hexen marks, which is, you know, they look like very pretty, ornate dishes hanging up on like barns and things,、yeah. and those stars and stuff like that. Those are all like hexens, and they, they keep evil out. It's like an evil eye ward. And,、um, Yeah. You know, right, right now it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a very pretty, you know, nice decoration, but not that long ago it was used to keep witches away and,、um, or evil away at any rate. But,、um, evil. Yeah, evil in general. And so it was always, always kind of neat to me to find the, the, the history of things. You know, like I, I just,、uh, I was doing. Some research with my friend Candy. We do the, the video channel on YouTube for Two Women Left Unsupervised, and we found witch windows. So we, you know, we opened it up to all of the friends on、oh. Facebook, and we were like, hey, you know, give us your weird stuff to talk about. And so somebody mentioned witch windows, and they are localized to Vermont and that area, like up in New England. And they are a window that's just over, like it's a It's a two roof line house. So there's like an upper roof line and then a lower roof line, like for an attached garage or something like that. And in that space between the two roof lines is this like sideways window <laughs> that's set at kind of like a weird 45 degree angle. And it's not a typical size.、Okay. And it's just sideways. And so the idea being that, you know, witches would not be able to get in that window, it would confuse them as they flew by on their, on their brooms. Oh, and, okay. And so I started laughing. I'm like, do the door. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, knock at the door. Hey, can I come in?、Um, yeah. That, that, that kind of reminds me of, like, like the, the Shinto or, or some of the Chinese where they would put, like, extra steps because the, 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 you know, the, the evil forces couldn't go over them. Mm hmm. Yep. And, you know, there's, there's so many charms. And things in various cultures that is meant to keep off evil, you know, or demons or, you know, evil spirits or whatever.、Um, that it's just like, okay, you know, there's always some sort of witchcraft going on, like in an undercurrent throughout society. So it, it always amazes me when people are like really shocked about witchcraft because it's like, well, it's all there. It, and it's pretty out in the open, like Lucky Charms, Rabbit's Feet.、Um, You know,、yeah. four leaf clovers,、uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, somebody's got a, a Malokia hook from, you know, Italy or Malokio.、Um, but it's, to, it's all to ward off bad luck and evil. And it's like, well, if that's not witchcraft, I don't know what is. 
<laughs> I it sounds like it to me. Yeah, but it, I guess it's your your yeah. level of witchery. <laughs> yeah. So I have really enjoyed just, and we'd love to have you on again because honestly, I, I feel I feel like I've kind of had a TED talk, and that's a good thing, a <laughs> TED talk on, on witchcraft now, and I really appreciate it because I think I, I've got much better understanding. Now, um, what is your your YouTube channel? Uh, it is Two Women Left Unsupervised, and we also have a Facebook page as well. And my friend Candy and I are both practitioners. Um, we do talk about energy work and witchy stuff, and we do show off our crystals and things too, because we are huge rock hounds. Um, you know, we we collect the rocks, you know, officially because of the energy, but really we like shiny things. Um, so yeah, well, don't, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm sorry, there may have been a little bit of static there, so can I get the name of the channel again? Sure. It's uh, Two Women Left Unsupervised. And you can also reach okay, it from well, our I Facebook definitely, page. Well, I will definitely check that out. Um, well, we I have just had a pleasure, and we would love to have you again. I would love uh, to come back. That sounds great. I had a great well, time. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Okay. Wow, that was that was pretty that was pretty good. I like that. I learned a lot. I, I, yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. I I was thinking, uh, I've I've been around the block a few times. I know a thing or two about witches, but I have to say, uh, just just in the beginning part alone, I feel like I learned a bit. But yeah. Oh. So, speaking about learning about stuff, you're you, you're you're kind of a town sleuth who learns all kinds of stuff. Almost kind of like a. You spend a little bit too much time around the old uh, uh, historical society. Well, well, as one of only two members, uh-huh. uh, yes, and and it's amazing. I you know I've I've been in town about three years longer than you have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I'm still sort of that. Well, he's here. He's kind of history, but he's still kind of not one of us so people open up I got sort of best of both worlds people open up and they tell me you know their stuff because you know he's one of us but not so close enough that I can't tell him my secrets if that makes any sense yeah no 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 you're 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 in this stage where you're about to start discovering really dark secrets like if if this was a weird fiction story you're about to discover weird secrets and you're gonna tell me the new person into town, and I'm not gonna believe you until I find your corpse. I hope it doesn't come to that, Dave. Yes, or <laughs> or, or yeah, eerie comics. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, and I think we're doing a, I think we're doing actually a, a story that was told to me, uh, that I recorded a. a, a uh, I think it was last Thursday or so. Somebody that you know, Ooh. And, and, and that's Darcy Stark, who, okay. among other things, she's a um, she is felonies or, or Felicia Oleander, but everybody calls her felony. Yeah. Uh, right hand person. Uh-huh. Uh But um, she's also part of our D and D group, and yeah. um, she's sort of our, our uh, she's our, our kind of our local hipster nerd. Yeah. Yeah, we we saw her uh, her drones in um uh in the parades. 
Yeah, I wish there was more nerds that lived in Oleander. It, it feels a bit like high school. You're kind of stuck with what nerds there are around town. I mean, you're super awesome, Dave, but oh man. <laughs> but there's only one of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of my a lot of my nerd time goes to goats. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of with a story today that uh, Darcy let me tell. All right. Because you know, um, uh, just uh, not a lot of. I mean, you know, we all, everybody knows she's got a crush on her boss. Uh-huh. You know, that's just common knowledge. I mean, I can say that on the radio because everyone in the town knows. But that's, you know, when she starts sort of looking out, there's not a lot of eligible nerds. I mean, she's like a little, you know, a little sister to me. I, you know, I'm 20 years older than her, mm-hmm. you know. So she starts, she decides that she's going to look for a, a nerd companion in the great city, big city of Portland. <laughs> uh, I, I recall being single, uh, looking for love in Portland, and good luck, Darcy. And also, uh, people are like, DB, aren't you worried about uh, talking smack about Darcy on the radio? And I'm like, no, 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 she'll just kill my characters in D&D anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Darcy. Dar- that's like I said. They all the stories we tell, we've got permission from the people to tell them, and so uh, hopefully, we got permission to tell them. Hopefully, we tell them right. Yeah, but I mean, she's still gonna kill my characters in D and D. It doesn't matter. Of course, she is. <laughs> she's a berserker. That's what they do. All right, here's 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 some stuff on Darcy, and uh, finding love in Portland. So that's that's gonna be fun. Welcome back, everybody. This is Farmer Dave, and you are listening to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 on the AM dial, KZOM, the mighty KZOM. And we've just spent the last half hour Googling lunatic cold fusion theories. I love me my conspiracy theories, and I love fringe science. And, you know, especially if that one by Resurrected Tesla at EdisonEatMyShorts.com. Now, that one is interesting because not only is it supposed to give you complete enough energy to power the entire American energy grid, but it's also supposed to turn all vultures blue. And I'm going to look into that one. I think that's a pretty interesting theory. Again, the management at KZOM has asked me to go ahead and mention that this is for entertainment purposes only, and that Radio Free Oleander or its affiliates endorse such things as sticking cesium rods into pumpkins, as we may have just discussed. So remember, boys and girls, don't try this at home. Hey, I'm about to... uh, end my shift here it's coming close to the 10 o'clock hour but have we got a treat for you in between 10 and 12 oleander high school's jazz quartet which due to a case of mononucleosis is down to a trio and they thought it was going to be down to a, a duo a duet but that's okay we've got three of them so the oleander high school Jazz Quartet is going to be carrying on between the 10 
o'clock hour and midnight and you're not going to want to miss this uh it's some great regional high school jazz and we want to thank the kids for staying up so late to to perform for us and for the city of oleander and for uh, radio free oleander but i'm about to finish up my shift and you all know what that means that means we are going to be doing a part of my segment called the people of oleander and this is where i get the permission from somebody in the city of oleander to basically tell a story about them now what i can't guarantee is that this is a true story all i can guarantee is that it was told to me as a true story and i have no reason to doubt it or or not to believe it but reminder i wasn't there but i'm telling you the story because it was told to me as a true story and it's interesting and today we're going to talk about uh the name of the story is going to be called vampire dating and it's going to feature darcy stark now darcy's my friend she's a She's often, I would say, often, not always, at our gaming table when we have D&D games. And the reason is that she works a lot. She she works a lot. We'll go, go a little bit about that because that includes the story. But, uh, you know, I adore Darcy. I think she's smart. Uh, she's obviously a hard, dedicated worker. And if I was 20 years younger or, or she was 20 years older, you know, I would definitely, you know, I can see maybe a possibility, but, you know, we are just friends. And besides, it really is bad etiquette for a, a dungeon master to to date one of its gamers. Now, Darcy works for Bellamy Oleander, who is the great-granddaughter of Josiah Oleander, who is the, the founder of the city of Oleander. They met when Felony was basically thrown out her last semester uh, of a uh, Ivory League college uh, because of reasons. I don't have permission to tell that story, so I'm not. But so, Felony did her last semester here at uh, Bloom Hall, where um, Darcy was a, um, a student all four years. And for reasons of that story I don't have permission to tell, um, Felony didn't have a lot of friends, but but Darcy really latched on to her. Felony owns uh, Art Noir. That's the that high end art gallery in Old Town. And uh, let's face it, nobody in Oleander buys art there. I mean, it's 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 for tourists, and, and most of uh. Felony's clients are high-end, very expensive. She doesn't have to sell a lot of art because of the value that she sells. And that, um, you know, because of that, you know, people come in from Portland all over the country. It's one of the few places that an out-of-towner really would come to see in Oleander. Um, and Darcy is her basically girl Friday. She does everything. She's Darcy's a tech genius. Uh, she got my laptop working when I couldn't do that dice program on that game we were doing. I mean, she is just this this genius, um, and she could easily be you know making big money in Portland or Silicon Valley, but she is completely dedicated 
two felony. And some might even say she's in love with felony. And, you know, there's rumors, but felony it doesn't really share these feelings. Or if she does, because of her past, she doesn't express them. And, and that may be because of things in stories I don't have permission to tell. It could be her upbringing. It could be her mother disappeared and her father is in a mental institution in Corvallis. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why felony keeps people at uh, arm's length. Um, but again, it's not Felony's story. And Darcy is completely dedicated to her boss. You know, and she she loves Felony. I mean, that's, that's not necessarily, you know, a bad thing. It may or may not be romantic. Um, it may not be a healthy love. But she loves her best friend. And so she is kind of desperate to get attention from her best friend. So she, she begged, and Darcy's favorite thing is to watch YouTube videos of you know, forensic and crime shows, uh, usually from Europe with, um, with subtitles. And so she finally got you know, felony to agree that to come over, they would have kettle corn and they would snuggle on the couch and they would watch these forensic shows. And at the last moment, felony bails. I, I don't know what it was, but work or something, or she made up an excuse. And, and felony Oleander told Darcy Starr that she just couldn't make it. Sorry. And Darcy is She'd been planning this for weeks, you know, and, 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 and you know, she, she, she bailed on her, so, so Darcy's upset. So Darcy remembers something she saw on the computer. So she goes on and she finds this posting that she'd seen about vampire dating in a club called Club Rose, which is on, uh, Foster in Portland. So, you know, she says, that's it. I'm, she was mad. She was upset. She she needed out. So she decided she's going to go to this vampire dating in Club Rose. So uh, she puts on her best clothes. And I think Darcy's attractive. But, you know, she tends to wear, you know, baggy sweaters and, you know, woolly pullover hats. And, you know, she tends to wear baggy clothes. It's just her style. So she found you know, what she thought was her best-looking clothes, and so she drove into Portland and went to Club Rose. And she gets there, and there's obviously two groups of people. There's people that are there because they saw the ads, and there's couples, there's some people just curious, and maybe people just want to drink. And there was another group of people that they looked dressed more gothic and more sexy, and and they, they definitely were trying to do this sort of sexy vampire vibe. And then this is all kind of overwhelming to Darcy. So she goes to the bar, you know, she gets herself uh, a, a drink and she just sort of takes it in. 
and, and this guy comes in. This guy introduces himself as Cornelius the Vampire. Uh, and he's in his 20s. He's very uh, sort of thin, long red hair, you know, wearing shiny black silk shirt, kind of an androgynous feel about him, which, you know, Darcy kind of digs. And, and he starts talking to her. And she really likes the fact that he kind of lets her talk. He asks, you know, questions about her, but she spends about half an hour just talking about herself. And, and she's really enjoying this. She's, she's having a good time. And then, you know, Cornelius the vampire, you know, afterwards he says, you know, I think we've really made his connection. I really got to know you. I think we knew each other in past lives. No one talks to Darcy Stark this way, you know, and she's like really liking it, you know, and, and she's getting some definitely Team Edward vibes from this guy. She's finding him really attractive. And he says, you know, and she looks more, and she knows that, you know, he, he does seem to have fangs. And she can't tell, is this a good prop, or is this, you know, real fangs? And, and she has to admit, and she's had a couple drinks now, but she's not sure, are these people role-playing, or are they real vampires? And as far as she's concerned, it's a win-win either way. You know, she's a gamer, she likes role-playing, she, she has no problem with that. She finds that kind of attractive. And if they're really vampires and they're offering her the possibility to live forever, you know, that's cool too. She's just not sure, are they role-players? Or are they vampires? But she's also not sure she cares. And, and so when she asks, you know, Cornelius questions, he answers it as if he's a vampire. You know, that he came across in 1918 from Ireland to New York where he, he met this ma vampire master and, you know, he's been a, a vampire for 95 years and, and talks about, you know, how it's seen the country change. And she's not, is this true? Or is this just this character he's playing? But either way, she finds it attractive. Um, and he talks a little bit about his master and about how great his master is. And that what they're happening is that their clan has recently lost members. And he doesn't go into details, but he says, my clan's lost members. And so this is a, a rare once in a lifetime offer to increase the clan. And he says, you know, Darcy, you know, I think that you're vampire material. I want to make you my sire. Oh, and Darcy is all, she is all bubbly about this. And she's, she's excited. No, no one's ever talked this way. Even if it's fake, no one ever talks that way to her. And he says, I want to make you, I want to become your master. And you will become my servant vampire. You know, Marcy's the type of person that, you know, that's not a bad thing in her relationship. So that's not a negative thing. And he says, but you, you will be able to go ahead and find other vampires, bring them full, and they will be your servants, and you will be their master. And this is almost blowing Darcy's mind. I mean, this thought not just have to be submissive, but that she would also sometimes be a master. That's, that's something she had never even thought about. And, and she's getting pretty excited. And he says, then, you know, of course, 
he had to be subservient to his master. And that would make her subservient also to his master. And that she would have to follow his master just like Cornelius followed him, or that she followed Cornelius. And this might have special requirements, and they might be romantic. They might be to go on a mission. They might be to say certain things. They might be to learn a skill. It might be monetary. But that's okay because all of her servants and then their servants would be servants to her as a master, but her servants would also see Cornelius as a master. It's at this point Darcy realizes that Vampire dating is one giant pyramid scam. And that this was just like romantic Amway. And on the second time that day, her heart was broken. So she makes some excuse saying she's got to go to the power room. And, you know, she's got to go, but she'd be right back and that she was excited. And instead of going to the bathroom, she snuck off and went back to her car and she drove back to Oleander and she was upset and disappointed and she just felt she was the worst person in the world, how stupid and that no one would ever love her. And she gets back to her house and there sitting on her porch or on her doorstep is a box with three chocolate strawberries and Darcy loves anything, it's chocolate strawberries. And it's a note that says, Give me time, felony. And it made things better. So um, that's the story of vampire dating. And uh, you know, just uh, if you are on Foster Road in Portland and you go to the Rose Club, be careful, just uh, you never know if the vampires are real or if they're just playing some elaborate version of Kindred, the Masquerade. But, uh, okay, hey, I see that the uh, Oleander High School Jazz Trio is setting up, and they're going to take you all the way up to midnight. So this is Farmer Dave of Radio Free Oleander, and I am signing off, and I just want to say... Good night, listeners. Good night, Darcy. Good night, Cornelius the Vampire. Good night, Oleander. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Radio Free Oleander. Dave, those those are some pretty awesome segments you had put together there. I, I enjoyed it. It, it was fun. Yeah. And, um, uh, hopefully, uh, Darcy isn't too cruel to your character or eh. come next D&D game. Well, I mean, we've got a good healer, and, you know, um, I've, I've got a decent amount of hit points for a bard, so, you know. I'm good. So, yeah. Well, uh, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I think we had a good show. I yeah. hope that, uh, I hope maybe people who are listening think so, too, and yeah. they can like or send us some feedback. Or... Definitely. Yeah, we are on Facebook as KZOM, 11.30 a.m. Oleander, Oregon. You can find us on Facebook at PGTTCM, uh, Radio Free Oleander is the name. 
And let's see what else. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We are available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you catch your podcasts. So And, and tentacles crossed. We're going to have... Uh, another interview with someone from the witch community next week. Oh, yeah. And uh, get another aspect of, of modern witch life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll probably throw together some D&D on D&D and uh, maybe talk about witches in uh, media some other ways, like witches in books that aren't necessarily books about witches. I know yeah. I have a book I want to talk about that I just recently got in the mail. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, if I wasn't going to be a part of this, I'd listen to it. So you should too, listener. Oh, yeah. All right. So we'll talk to you next time. And um, I we still don't have a... Uh, well, we don't have a sign-off. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Hey, send us one and uh, may, may, maybe we'll use it. Send us one. That, that, that's, that's, that's my suggestion for this week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I got. Bye.